0: Hey, everyone, I'm Portia Flowers. And I'm Cynthia Dorsey. And this is Young, Black, and Brave.
1: Young, Black, and Brave is a new podcast, but most importantly, it's a space where we can critically review cinema and discuss the representation of Black women in film. Black women, of course, have had a place in the film industry for some time now, but we want to take a look at it and talk about what that actually means. When stories are being told, who's included in the storytelling process? Who's centered? Who's supporting? And who's erased completely? These are important conversations to have, we think, particularly as Black women ourselves. Uh, We should be able to critique the media that is reflected back to us, and we're going to try to do just that.
0: It's a new year, new decade, new podcast. We are young, black, and brave. Hey, everybody. We are back with another episode, episode four. Hey, Portia. Hey, Cynthia. (laughs) All right. So today's question for you, Portia. What, when you go to the movie theater... What are your pet peeves that happen?
1: Oh, okay. All right. So my pet peeves are like food, you know, spilled food or drinks on still on the floor. I don't like mm. that. Um, I hate like the feeling of stickiness or, you know, just stuff under my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also, I you know, I appreciate a clean chair. I mean this I guess it's all basic stuff. I appreciate Mm -hmm. a clean chair. I appreciate a chair that does not look too beat down, which sometimes is a little tough because you know, if you want to save a dollar you go to a discount theater and sometimes, you know, you get discount seats. Right. Um, But (laughs) but I don't I don't want to be paranoid while I sit. But probably the biggest thing, and I don't know, some people might might be side eyeing me. I don't like talking through movies. Mm. Like people that like to kind of chat while I'm watching a film, <laughs> and I've had people kind of, you know, talk to me while we're watching a film. It's like, girl, did you see or blah? You know, just comment. right. I don't even like. I'm still looking straight ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to spend time to tell you to be quiet. Like I just want to enjoy the film, I get really weird about that. And even when I'm watching movies at home, sometimes I'll even turn on the closed caption just so that I can catch all the dialogue.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Me too. I love closed caption.
1: Yeah. Love it. I like watching TV with that. So, yeah. Uh, that's me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, me, I so, I love going to the movie theater, especially during the weekday um if I have the day off I will go and spend the whole day in the movie theater it's my favorite thing to do um but some of my pet peeves I think is of course like the movie theater prices for concessions I think that is oh. so annoying um one I love back, shout out to my favorite type of wine and i remember ordering a glass of my back at a theater and it was literally a fourth of the glass if that it was not that much wine for $16 i was oh. so mad <laughs> i was oh. so mad yes so anyway um that is
1: definitely I'm, I'm bring the food inside the uh, okay pizza. Okay, one time I snuck in a whole meal, and I was quite proud about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I saw Crazy Rich Asians. I chowed down. Okay, I felt a little bad because I was the only one doing that, so you could hear my containers and everything. But oh my gosh,
0: I yeah, I mean, I do, I do do that sometimes, but I do like like hot movie theater popcorn, like. I do like all of that stuff. So yeah. sometimes I will order from concessions, but it's just, it's movie tickets in general already cost a lot. But yes. then, um, when you add on the concessions, you could go to the movies and on a date or something and spend a hundred dollars
1: easily. Easily.
0: So yes. you go yeah. to one of
1: those nice theaters where you have the reclining seats and. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also do not particularly care for the assigned seating that's starting to happen in every theater as of lately, because now you can't go to the movies all day and pay for one ticket and then schedule your time and go to different theaters because seats are assigned and you might get in there and you'd be sitting in someone else's seat. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, they they really trying to knock the hustle, man. I, I right. need to sneak where I need to sneak, especially if you're not offering anything. Like, I understand for like an IMAX film or a 3D film, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I guess I'll pay a premium price and, you know, I can have a guaranteed seat, but don't do that if it's just a regular film, regular, right. regular <laughs> film, uh-uh, it's free for all.
0: Right. And if your movie theater has not been remodeled and it's still re- regular with regular seats and they don't recline and all of the, you know, nuts and bolts these other theaters have, then you shouldn't be assigning seats until you get your theater right.
1: That's right. You're not good enough to assign seats yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then last, I don't like when people bring their kids to very adult films, uh, I just it makes me cringe to see babies in there watching sex scenes and lots of profane language. That just makes me cringe. Like, please stop bringing the babies to see create it. Like my students that <laughs> school have seen it, and I'm just like, oh why? Why <laughs> stop doing that? Stop traumatizing these babies. Please. Let your adult movie theater going experience be with adults. Take your kids to go see Frozen 2 or some of the other things, but do not have them sitting in there traumatizing them in these very adult themed films. Please stop that, parents.
1: I don't think people realize what sticks with kids. Like I remember this wasn't in the theater. This was a, a home video, but when I was a kid, uh Ghostbusters came out
2: and mm-hmm. I wanted
1: the uh I wanted to watch it because I had seen Ghostbusters cartoons so I was like, you know, this is right up my alley.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I got so scared that <laughs> Ghost and that stay Puft monster and I was I don't know. If you watch it now of course and it's it's silly. But mm-hmm. as a child it it really affected me. I couldn't watch yeah. it all. and then yeah. most- when I saw Avengers Endgame of course that was a huge event I saw several people bringing their kids and you know I guess I assumed that they felt like they had no other choice because um, again assigned seating I saw it in IMAX so you know all mm-hmm. the little kids they probably had to pay full price but I was just like <laughs> oh I I don't know about this because this is going to be super intense and it's in IMAX so it's, you know it's really going to stick with them I right. hooked up have these conversations cause it's going to get real in a minute and and then right. of course Dano's head got chopped off in the movie <laughs> oh my god I don't think you want to have kids watch that and then have to go to sleep
0: and then have to come to school and the teachers have to deal with them pretending to chop off people's heads oh no yes like no, <laughs> <yes. laughs> like, no. uh uh-uh, uh stop that
1: right now all right. So, uh before we get into our movie review and everything, um mm-hmm. we are still in the thick of the um award season right now. Yes. Uh, as of this recording, the Critics uh, Choice Awards aired last night. Um and so, you know, we just wanted to shout out some of the winners, acknowledge some of the women and some of the uh, black people specifically mm-hmm. who, who won, uh, Ruth E. Carter won for best costume design in a film for Dolomite is my name. If you don't know. Yes. She is one of the top, if not the top, um, costumer in film today. She won the Oscar. She, I think she was the first black person to win the Oscar last year for costume design for Black Panther. Her mm-hmm. iconic books in Black Panther, well, well-deserved. Um, Dolomite Is My Name also won for Best Comedy. And Us won for Best Sci-Fi Horror Film. So congratulations.
0: Yes.
1: Um, also, Regina King won for Best Actress in a Drama Series for Watchmen. Um, mm. I haven't seen that show yet, but I've heard really great things.
0: It's, it's good. It's good. I'm not, um, in the thick of it yet, but I did start it. So I'm like on episode three. It is very good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it very soon. Um, let's see. When they see us, finally got some love. It got best. Yes. Yes. So that's, yes. And uh Jarrell Jerome from When They See Us, he won the Best Actor in a Limited Series. So very
0: yes. Um, Ava's speech, Ava's speech acceptance speech was the bomb. I loved it. I keep replaying it over and
1: over. Ooh, but why don't you share a little bit of of what she said? Because I missed sure. it. So
0: she pretty much discussed how. The film had over a hundred roles and m- like most of the roles had speaking roles, which is unheard of, right? Usually films have a lot of background actors, but this particular, um, TV series had a lot of speaking roles. She also, thanked Netflix for letting a black woman do her thing. And I, that needs to be a hashtag put on shirts, let a black woman do her thing. She definitely did her thing with this series. I think we can all agree. Um, but pretty much she just talked about the experience. She thanked the exonerated five, the way this TV series got started was because Raymond, one of the Exonerated Five, sent out a tweet, and she responded, and has been going ever since. Wow. Um, I, I, it, it's well deserved. It is a well deserved win for that uh, drama series, and I think I, I just expect. More blessings to come from this. It's already exceeded expectation, but I think people will add this to their curriculums in school. That's just how powerful this particular um, limited series is. So kudos to Ava, the crew, Netflix, and the exonerated five for continuing to push
1: out their truth.
0: Absolutely phenomenal.
1: That's wonderful, great. Um, and so just to wrap this up, uh, there were also two special awards that were given out. The hashtag See Her Award was given to Kristen Bell, and mm-hmm. the Lifetime Achievement Award was given to Eddie Murphy. All right, Eddie. So <laughs> to them both. Um. Now, today, this morning, we woke up to the Academy Award nominations being announced.
0: Sure did. And
1: it has, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been quite the conversation on social media.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: one could say Oscars is still so white. So um, white. Out of, <laughs> out of the 20 nominees in acting categories, 19 are white. The only non-white actor nominated for um for an Academy Award is Cynthia Erivo. She's nominated mm. for Best Actress for the movie Harriet. Hmm. Uh, well deserved, I think, uh, nomination. <sighs> There's so many more people who also deserve nominations. Um, you have Aquafina for the Farewell, Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, mm-hmm. Peter Youngo for Us, Eddie Murphy for Dolomite Is My Name, and several others that have been. In contention throughout this award season, um, and were heavily favored to get a nomination. So it was, it was actually quite shocking, uh, to see these names not included on the list. Um, especially Aquafina, she just got, um, she just got the Golden Globe a couple of nights ago. Um, right. Jennifer Lopez name has definitely been in the running. Um, Eddie Murphy too. So yeah, it was, it was quite jarring. Um, However, Cynthia Arrivo, um, she had a good day. Like I said, she got nominated for best actress, but she also got nominated for best song for stand up, uh, which was in the movie Harriet. She co-wrote that song. So she's a double, double nominee. So congratulations and good luck to her.
0: Good Um, luck, Cynthia, my namesake.
1: Um, also worth mentioning, uh, not only is Oscars so white, Oscars is so male, particularly in the directing category. Women were completely shut out again mm-hmm. in the directing category, which stings in particular because there have been several films um, that have been critically acclaimed um, and that have been recognized by other award shows, but for whatever reason, the Oscars decided to snub them. So. Greta Gerwig is probably the, the most glaring snub. She's the director of Little Women. She right. did not get a nomination. Uh, Lorraine Scar- Scarfiart, oh man, Scarfaria, excuse me, Lorraine Scarfaria, um, directed Hustlers. She did not get a nomination. Cassie Lemons directed Harriet. Lulu Wang, director of The Farewell. None of them, um, got nominations and uh, it's baffling. But what was so interesting was um, <laughs> Issa Rae, uh, Issa Ray and John Chu uh, announced the nominees this morning. And after they announced the director category, Issa Ray did a little, you know, nice little, um, threw a little shade at them by saying, congratulations to all those men.
0: I <laughs> ah, love it, yeah. mm, 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 mm,
1: So we'll see what happens, but i think I think we're we're kind of at that tipping point where people are are no longer okay with seeing women being shut out or and ignored while you know you have men who have multiple nominations, what was it? They said, um uh, Martin Scorsese. Now has, he's, he's the most nominated direct living director in Academy Award history right now. Oh, wow. I mean, that's an awesome, uh, honor. However, it mm-hmm. just drives up the fact that there's so many, um, men who get these nominations repeatedly
0: and All then right. women
1: repeatedly get snubbed. Like, dude, you got, like how many, eight or nine nominations now. Right. You can't tell me all of those movies are that great and all of these other movies that women are directing are not.
0: They're not. <laughs> all of his movies are not great. Let's just put that out there. I will say, though, we talked about this, Portia. We as women need to have our own awards. I'm calling it, this is a call of action we need our own awards because we need to celebrate each other. We are barking up the wrong tree, trying, thinking that the Academy or the Golden Globes are going to do it. They're not. And we need to actually remove them from being the top tier, um, awards out there. We can create our own top tier. So let's just snub the Oscars and the Golden Globes and elevate ourselves. Cause I, I don't really have time for this. This is actually, um, a fight that people have been fighting, fighting for years. And it just yeah. doesn't seem to ever stick. I think I said this the last episode. Um, we tend to fight, 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 and then they change it for a year and we're celebrating. And then within the next couple of years, they change it right back. They don't want women. They don't want black women. And they don't want black men to be in the running for these awards. They want to streamline it so that it is. Oscar so white and Golden Globe so white. Therefore, we need to do our own thing. We need to do our that's, own thing. That's,
1: that's one of the reasons why I really love the NAACP Awards. That's the, Same. that's the whole, I mean, you know, the, you can't tell me that black people or people of color aren't doing the daggone thing out there. We're, we're talented. Mm-hmm. We're doing great work, but they're not being, um, recognized for it. So why not recognize your own? And then as an audience, why not privilege, you know, our stuff? Who says that the Oscars, who says that the Emmys, who says that the Golden Globes have to be the standard? We can set our own right. standard. We pay attention to right. what we want to pay attention to. Um, so yeah, y'all, if, if y'all know of any award shows that are specifically for uh women, let us know. If not, we're going to have to start figuring out a way to make it ourselves because mm-hmm. the need is great.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: We need something.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, of course what we're saying is, is what a lot of people have been saying. Um, And there's been a lot of outrage, especially on social media, including Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry jumped in the mix. Um, you Know to oh, this question kind of about how uh non diverse these Oscar nominations were. I think he specifically was, you know, was upset about Jennifer Lopez being snubbed, um, which is mm. interesting. Um, yeah, and it brings us to another <laughs> you know topic that with Tyler Perry, he's been in the news recently.
0: Oh, um, gosh
1: over some other comments that he made. So recently he posted on social media I guess kind of as this uh, you know something to encourage people, to inspire people um, by talking about his work ethic. He framed it around this idea of work ethic. He works mm-hmm. so hard all the time and these are all the scripts that he wrote. He piles of scripts. <sighs> Um, yeah that he wrote and he said he wrote them by himself
0: mm-hmm. um, we can tell we weren't surprised sir
1: we weren't surprised um so but okay but the surprising part was while Tyler Perry he's such an amazing you know filmmaker businessman you would think that he wouldn't have the time to write all of those scripts himself surely he has a team surely he has a writers room indeed he does not he somehow finds the time to write all those scripts himself, which again, you we know, that, that, that was supposed to be him trying to encourage people, but it backfired because like you said, there, people are just like, Ooh, that explains everything. Cause you might be writing it all, but everything you're putting out there, not a quality. I don't know. Nobody ever
0: thought anybody else was writing it. I don't think anybody thought that. We know that you're writing it, sir. We know that out of all of those scripts, all of them are trash. Like, I, I mean, he has this one. And, and since we are a podcast about black women, I just want to put it out there. Like Tyler Perry, has an issue with black women. You can tell by the way he writes us and he needs to go and talk to someone about that because well, we I- are not, we're yeah. not one. Di- we are not one dimensional. We are not these stereotypical humans that you create and you put into your films. We are not that. And I think if you included Women at your table when you're writing or you included the input of a woman or you even surrounded yourself with women on a regular basis, you will find that we are all different but we're not like who you've written. So whatever this underlining bitterness he has, against black women, he needs to go see someone about that and talk that through with the therapist. I I promise you it will help just a little bit with whatever is going on with him.
1: Well I I mean you know I'm gonna say this. I I think that uh, I definitely Thought that he was not the one writing everything. There's just not enough time in the day. I would have assumed to write that. I did not feel like the quality of his films and his television shows were up to par. But I thought that was because he see he strikes me as a person who thinks more about the business side than about the the creative side. So I thought mm-hmm. that was just a result of let's just churn this out. We got to hurry up. We got a certain number to hit, you know, just right. I thought he mm-hmm. had a team of people because, you know, surely you're not doing it by yourself. And he said, he's doing it by himself. That was just like, whoa, dude, what is going <laughs> on? Quality is not up to par. And you put it on yourself to do that. Why, why are you not? And then, you know, again, Tyler Perry is a complicated relationship because I do uh respect his hustle. I do appreciate that he is, you know, he's put a lot of black people on. He's put a lot of black actors and actresses who would normally not get that kind of shine because they've been in his films. They were able to get, you know, number one films on their resumes. That's awesome. He's built up this studio. I don't. I don't know if it's the first, he's the first black person to own his own independent studio or something like that, or maybe the first black person. He is. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. However, you would think that that would translate to opportunities across the board, opportunities for people to write, to help him collaborate, to help him build, you know, better quality product that he's, that he's selling. Um, so I don't understand this. I don't understand it at all. And it's not a good look, especially because, you know, he has this new film coming out on Netflix called A Fall from Grace, starring Crystal Fox, who, um, who's recently been seen on The Haves and The Have Nots. She's one of the series regulars. Um, and I think she's had a reoccurring role on Big Little Lies. Um, uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, as part of the marketing, he's kind of been putting her out there and saying, you know, this is a talented actress. She hasn't had as many opportunities to be in the spotlight. Y'all go and support. It's like, okay, but what did you give her to act with? I trust that she's an amazing actress. I'm not so sure anymore that she, is a, you know, that she was given quality material to act with. And that's not fair. Listen,
0: Tyler Perry <laughs> talked about, he built his studio on Confederate Army ground in Atlanta, okay? He talked about Oscar to White. He speaks out about these things. And I just wonder if he's speaking out Against these things. For himself. Only. Because when you say. I've written all of these. Shows. And films. And you have. The. Infrastructure. And means to employ. Black writers who are struggling. To get employed. That is. That is a slap in the face to us as black writers who want to do what you, you are doing. Also, collaborating with other black artists actually helps your craft. It helps you become, strengthen your crafts and become a stronger writer, director. You should be a lifelong learner. Just because you have millions of dollars does not make you the top of your craft. You have to keep fighting for the top. You have to keep improving, keep doing new things. And he just isn't open to that. I When I saw the video of him using his camera phone to go down the row of all of the scripts he had written all by himself, I was not surprised. But I'm also very much disheartened that he wouldn't take it the next level and invite others in now that he has built his empire, right? Now you can go back and help others. And he's just not doing it. He's just not doing it. And I know like maybe the intention was to motivate people to get out there and write things themselves. I'm pretty sure that's what his intent, his intention was, but that's not how it was received.
1: No, right. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It backfired on him. And I think Mm -hmm. he ended up telling on himself a little bit. (laughs) Right. but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Iron sharpens iron. If you want to get better, work with other people, especially work with people who are better than you so that you can learn something. Um, and definitely, I, how was it put? I think it might've been, um, Kim Foster in her for Harriet video on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, her reaction video to this whole mm-hmm. Tyler Perry controversy is just really spot on. I think, um, you know, and she mentioned how he you know was kind of like in his in his b e t awards acceptance speech, he talked about creating his own space not not asking for or waiting around to ask for Hollywood to accept him. He built his own table um, yeah, but then the question is, well, what's the point of building your own table if you're the only one sitting at it and like exactly. others show them how you're doing it. And then, you know, help them go ahead and make their own tables themselves so that you can spread the wealth. But you just building your own massive table and inviting no one there to sit at it with you and and to help you grow, it just, it really sounds off. And if this in fact is not the case, because I almost feel like there's going to be another video coming where it's going to be y'all just misconstrued everything. Then help us understand. Cause it's not looking good, man. Help us understand. We didn't misconstrue
0: anything. (laughs) We didn't (laughs) misconstrue a damn thing. Nope.
1: This is not, this, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't sound right. This is not the way that things should be. And I feel, if I feel bad because not, I feel bad, but I'm confused. Because it seems like he gets it in certain areas. You know, again, going back to that BET award show uh when he got mm-hmm. that Lifetime Achievement Award, Taraji P. Henson um presented it to him. And in her remarks, she mentioned how Tyler Perry was the first person to basically pay her what she was worth. And she was able to raise her quote um, because she worked with him. And you know, it's well known that. People of color and women, and especially women of color, are underpaid in the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people really, it's no different than a lot of other industries, but in in Hollywood, they base your pay off of your previous pay. So, you know, if you're not, if you haven't been paid a lot before, ain't nobody going to step up and pay you what you're worth now. You're just going to perpetually be underpaid until somebody decides to, you know, write to you right to wrongs. Tyler Perry did that for her. He understood the value in that. So you understand on a certain level what it means to pay Black women their worth, what it means to have images of Black women, um, you know, constantly writing material for Black actresses, for Black audiences, Black female audiences. But where are the Black women by your side to help you create this stuff? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> They're not.
0: That's the point. They're just not, and it shows. It shows. I'm trying to figure out. You you said that Tyler Perry has had number one films. What film?
1: Oh, girl, he had a streak. He had a long streak, particularly with his Medea films. Um, I believe Daddy's Little Girls opened at number one um, Madea's Family reunion opened at number one, um, Madea Goes to Jail opened at number one, he had a long streak of his films opening at number one, I'm not too sure now his more recent films, but certainly when he first started, because that was part of the thing, he seemingly came out of nowhere and took Hollywood by storm um and kept doing But it.
0: number 1 pertaining to the black box office or the number, number 1, one at
1: all. <sighs> number number 1 in the back box office period um you know so so that may, definitely made Hollywood stand up and look and of course every time it was always a surprise it always seemed like a fluke but you know he knew what he was doing um I, I I can't
0: I cannot like the Medea character being number one is it, it, it gives me hives like what <laughs> what that's what we we're presenting to the world as number one for the box office
1: that's what I, people
0: I, watching
2: yeah hmm
1: yeah open number one in its you know opening weekend um so you know he he's an entity he he's he's been doing stuff for a while, but you would think again you'd be able to parlay that into more opportunities, and in a lot of ways he has, but then there's still some ways that you know there's room to grow, and particularly when it comes to writing, there's room to grow. And I would hope that he would see this this backlash as, you know, something to work on and not just see it as folks are just hating and blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're talking about. I hope that he really takes this to heart. Because of his stature, because of all those number ones, because Hollywood has, you know, really paid attention, he's seen as that guy. He's the one that makes the number one black film. So we're going to put our efforts towards him. We're going to partner with him so it matters what he puts out there it matters what he does because he has he has the eyes and ears of a lot of people and so you have a responsibility to you know to do us right
0: he does i just think that this post showed a lot of a lack of care i feel like the things that he's written has shown a a the lack of care for Black women, um, which is, it's just gut-wrenching because his story is so powerful and motivating to many. And just to see what he's producing and putting back out into cinema, it's not noteworthy in my opinion it is not uplifting us as a people um so gestures have to match action in my like it's it's a, a amazing gesture to start your own studio and to name the buildings after our prominent black um intellects and broadcasters and journalists and actors And to allow Black Panther to film on your lot. Like that's just an amazing gesture, right? At the same time, your action actions are contradicting your gestures. So you film this video saying you've written all of these things by yourself. And everybody who's watching your page is looking at you for... Motivation is writing to you for jobs, is auditioning for your shows. You're, you've basically isolated yourself and you're not, you're showing that you're not reachable. And that's just not fair. The way you write, uh, black women in movies is just not fair. Your actions don't match your gestures.
1: And I think, you know, again, there might be people wondering well why are we going on about this and I think it's important that we uh that we critique people that you know when it comes to black folks, sometimes it can be um we can be hesitant to publicly call each other out, especially when you know they're people who are of note people who have who have done things or people who have power, and you don't necessarily want this you know not about canceling somebody or throwing them in the trash or whatever, you, sometimes you can be afraid to criticize them Um because there's only so many of us out there Um and you want to support. But I think it's important that we question and that we critique and that we challenge and love, you know, because we're so quick to call out non-Black people when they, you know, for instance, write and in direct stories about the black experience and you know we can we can rightfully call them out and say well I don't know how authentic that is or did you collaborate with other black people and blah 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 you know but when it comes to our own sometimes we we forget and especially especially when we're talking about black men in particular and the ways in which they are responsible for the images of black women that go out there yep. into the public. This is a black man who has been largely responsible for the imagery of black women um, for the last 10, 15 years. You know what I mean? All those number mm-hmm. one films have been, you know, starring black women, or, you know, if he's playing the role of Medea, he's supposed to be a black female character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what responsibility? Do these men have? And then now the question is, should these, should these men be in these positions of power to put, you know, to, to put these images out there of Black women? What does that say about us? And how can we turn our attention more so to Black female creatives that are telling their own stories in a more authentic look of, you know, idea of what a Black woman is? today
0: right I I agree I think just like we would not want white writers to write about the black experience when a black man sits down at the table to write a prolific body of work it cannot be prolific if you are writing about a black woman and a black woman is not sitting with you it cannot be
1: yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, people are incapable of t- telling stories that are different from them. It happens. But I mean, repeatedly, repeatedly, and there's not someone else who has lived that experience with you to, to help you shape that story and to, um, and to put their, their voices and their experiences to it as well. It, it can be a problem. And you just saying, Oh, I know black women or I, been raised by black women or I love black women. That only takes you so far. And I think it's also important that people are aware of their own blind spots, no matter how much you mm-hmm. might, you know, have, have so much love for black women. I, you know, I, I, I don't know, of course, I don't know Tyler Perry. Um, I'm going to believe him when he says that, you know, he respects black women and he values black women, but you know, when you do certain things, when you put certain imagery out there, when you have these blind spots, and, you know, if, if after all of this he does not respond appropriately, then that's, you know, I'm questioning you. Do you, do you truly get it? Do you understand? Because I'm sure, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot and there was a bunch of black women that were making stories about black men, we would, You know, we would hear no end to it because, you know, black women would not understand the black male life and, you know, the black male experience. Okay, then same.
0: Yeah. I think one of the best leaders we've had this last decade was President Barack Obama. And I remember in an interview, he was speaking on leadership. He said he didn't know it all. He didn't have all of the answers, but he made sure he surrounded himself with people that were stronger where he may have lacked. And so he made sure his cabinet and people that worked close with him had strengths in areas he did not. And that's a message I feel like Tyler Perry needs to hold dear, right? The world saw your post and you have people who don't really care like oh go Tyler you might have had some people motivated to go write their um series or their film and then you have another group of people who are really upset by the post how are you going to move forward how you move forward shows mm, where you are as a leader. And if we are saying that your shows don't reflect the Black experience, if we're saying that, yes, we laugh at Medea, but it's not representative of all of our grandmas across the globe, or if Black women in your films aren't being portrayed to truth, then you need to surround yourself with people who are going to help you be the best at your job. Just like President Obama said.
1: Well, with that, um, I will say that Tyler Perry, he actually did inspire us inadvertently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He inspired mm-hmm. us to, uh, you know, make some, uh to do some serious thinking about our test, the Dorsey Flowers test. Yeah. And uh because of you know all this conversation about um who's actually in control when it comes to um what's written or what's directed and put out there to the public, um we realize that there's room for us to make some slight additions to our tests. Most of what we've been yes. focused on is, you know, the actors um, that are portraying roles in these films that we're reviewing. Um But we want to now add some extra points for films that have Black women directors and Black women writers, because clearly that's extremely important. It matters who is there. Yes, it does. Who's there to, to kind of, um, direct and, and create these portrayals along with the actresses. Um, so with that said, um, we're going to revisit Queen and Slim just briefly. Um, in the last episode, Queen and Slim got a score of three on the Dorsey mm-hmm. Flowers mm-hmm. test. So mm-hmm. now with the revised test, we're going to add one extra point. For a black female director, and one extra point for a black female writer, because Queen and Slim had both. The director yep. was Melina Matsukas. She is a black woman. Yep. And one of the writers, no, the writer, because um, it was uh, another person that that uh, came up with the story along with Lena Waithe. Lena Waithe wrote mm-hmm. the script. So that's two extra points to add to the three that was already there. So now we're saying that Queen and Slim has a Dorsey Flowers test score of five. It, it now has a score of five, which means that it passes with major corrections. So yes, congratulations to Queen and Slim. Congratulations and thanks, Tyler Perry, for in for inspiring us to improve our test.
0: Hopefully you'll get inspired too. That's
2: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On Young Black and Brave, we will feature up and coming Black female artists forging through the music game. Every great film has a music score. That too tells a story. And Black women should also be at the center of scoring, just as they should be at the center of directing, acting, writing, shooting, casting, and producing films. So, why not highlight our Black queens who are standing on top of their thrones and busting through those glass ceilings. Today's artist is... Sierra Sean, hailing from Los Angeles, California. This is her single Islands off her hit EP Tender.
2: Yeah, cause I've been gone for a minute, I've been gone for a little too long. Yeah, tryna get back on. Cause I've been through some shit. You don't know. Take this as a warning. Let's wait till the morning. So I can't lose myself. Your body feels just like a trigger. But relapse, go feel. Yeah, 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 yeah mercy mercy me you make me believe i could take
0: Sean and her hit single Islands off of her EP Tinder. I'm going to have to listen to the whole EP now. I love it. Be sure to listen to Sierra Sean's music on all streaming platforms and follow her on Instagram at Sierra Sean. That's S-I-A-I-R-A-S-H-E. A-W-N. The film we will be reviewing today is Harriet, directed by Kathy Lemons. All right.
1: So Harriet, of course, is named after Harriet Tubman, the great Harriet Tubman, abolitionist. (laughs) Um, so this is a biopic. The genre is biopic. Um, Directed by Cassie Lemons, written by Cassie Lemons and Gregory Allen Howard.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and the movie stars Cynthia Arrivo, who we mentioned earlier, who just um, got an Oscar nomination this morning. So, congratulations. To yeah. you. Um, also features Janelle Monet um, as Marie Buchanan, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. as William Still, Vanessa Bell Calloway as Ritt Ross, who is uh, Harry Tubman's mother. Um, Jennifer Nettles, who's actually part of the country music duo Sugarland, Land. Um, she played Eliza Brodis, who was the slave mistress of the house, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Bondi Curtis Hall, who was Reverend Samuel Green. He actually is married to Cassie Lemons in real life. Um, and Omar Dorsey as Bigger Long, um, who played the black slave catcher. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of, lots of amazing actors and actresses in this film. Yes. What's your, what's your initial impression overall? Did you like the film? Did you not like the film? Um,
0: So I like, I, I did like many parts of it. Um, the storyline was clear, was concise. It wasn't too long and drawn out. Um, I loved the play on, Harry Summit had epilepsy and I like how they, depicted that on screen Um, and just the fact that a woman who had a disability was able to move through the world and sl- save herself and so many slaves with her disability is a powerful thing to walk away from the movie theater with, right? Because there's so many people feel like having a disability is almost equivalent to a death sentence, you know? And it's just very powerful that even with her disability, she could do so much. So I was really grateful to see that on screen. But like with many films I see, I just feel like some things were uh, just was unnecessary. Um, in the general scheme of things. Like it didn't need to be in the film for us to get the bigger picture or to, to gain an understanding. Um, I guess when you go through just your brief synopsis about it, Portia, then I'll point out those things. But overall, I thought visually stunning, um, well-organized and thought, and the storyline was really very clear.
1: Um, yeah, I think what you just said was really powerful and it, uh, made me think you're absolutely right. The depiction of someone with, with a disability is really powerful, um, especially in this context. And I didn't, I didn't even frame it that way. I didn't think to frame it that way. So I'm glad you said that. Um, overall, I thought this film was, was great. Um, I was very affected by it. But I, I also re- so I, I watched this recently. Um, I remember when it came out and there seemed to be a lot of controversy around the film and around Cynthia Arrivo. Um,
0: right.
1: Uh, being the part of Harriet Tubman. And at the time, like it was, it was so much. Sometimes it can be so much going on that you just have to kind of remove yourself a little bit. Cause I didn't want to be biased in how i felt about the film i didn't want to go in thinking that i wasn't going to like it um cause mm-hmm. it seemed like and i couldn't even tell if it was a lot of people that didn't like it or if it was just a few people that were just very loud about their dislike so i was just like when mm-hmm. to just take a minute um and step back so watching it i liked it and then i went back and revisited some of the the reviews and some of the critiques um and so right now I'm kind of holding two things in my head at the same time. I kind of, I understand the the criticism behind it, mm-hmm. but I also can mm-hmm. still appreciate what I saw. Um I thought it was a powerful film.
0: Um what yeah. Uh which criticism are you speaking of?
1: Um, so <clears throat> so for instance, when it comes to the casting, uh, mm-hmm. there were people who, and, and probably still feel strongly about, um, you know, not being in agreement with Cynthia Revo being cast as Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, as we know, is legendary African-American abolitionist. And, right. um, it's, this is the first time her story has been depicted on a screen like this. Um, so this was a long time coming. A lot of people, um, were anticipating this. And I think for a while, Viola Davis actually was, was, um, attached to the film. But, mm. uh, you know, Hollywood being Hollywood, things happen all the time. Um, and eventually Cynthia Revo got the part. Cynthia Revo is a British actress, Black British actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were people just, you know, on GP, just not, really feeling the idea of a right. non-African American actress portraying an African American character, um, which I understand. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of come down on the side of, I appreciate members of the diaspora coming to, you know, stories about the diaspora with respect. If that's not specifically a part of your culture, I hope that you come to the role with the appropriate amount of respect. Um, but you know, I, I, I get that people are sensitive about that, but I think the added layer to it is that there were some people that were specifically against her because she apparently has, um, this history that has played out on social media over the years where she seemingly said some, uh, derogatory things about African-Americans. What? I did not know that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is, this is new to me too. Um, I I don't know if derogatory is, is too strong, but, you know, and these are conversations that if you, if you're familiar with, you know, tensions within the diaspora, you understand that sometimes there can be, um, you know, some back and forth between African Americans and, and Afro-Caribbeans and Africans and yada, 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 and, um and who has claim to what. And I think people kind of called out the hypocrisy. It seems like at times she would um she would kind of almost be mocking of African Americans in our vernacular. Um but then at other times try to say, you know, we're all one and then at other mm. times specifically, you know, type tout her pride in being you know, and uh, African or Afro-British uh, person and, you know, really waving that flag. So it's like, well, who are you when it, you know, it Hi. seems like you change when it suits your, you know, when it suits you, Um, which to be fair, a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people kind of flip-flop as well, but her stuff was put out there on social media um, for all to see. Um, wow that people feel like she uh she addressed that enough. Uh so, you know, it'll be interesting to see her continue to go through this award season and if given the opportunity or if she takes the opportunity to address maybe some of her past comments um or, you know, reflect on some of her mindset, maybe how things have changed. I did see a short interview where where she um talked about how playing Harriet Tubman transformed her and affected her. And she really wanted people to, um, you know, maybe they don't like her, but to just give, give the movie and give her a chance anyway, because, you know, she felt like the the portrayal and the role and the topic was that important. Um, And she, you know, again, she felt like she was profoundly moved by, the experience. So maybe there's some, maybe there's another chapter to all of this and, and there's something else that she wants to say. Uh, I would hope that she takes that opportunity.
0: I, so I didn't know all of that. I knew about, I know in general how, and I talked about this last episode in general, how African American actors are really in their feelings about British actors coming to America and, um, getting lead roles that they want, that they can't get being American citizens. Um, and I know that that's an issue. And I just wish, a wish for the black community across the diaspora is just that we need to really recognize that when We got on these slave ships. We all were just taken from our land and dropped off in various places in the world. We came from the same place. Just because we ended up, our, you know, our ancestors ended up in different places does not change the fact that we came from Africa. We just ended up somewhere else. And so... I I want the community across the diaspora. I want the feel of it. So if someone, if I go to um Europe and I want to audition for a part and I get it, I want everybody to celebrate with me that I got that role. Same thing if a British actor comes over to America and gets a lead part. I want to celebrate them because they are black and we all are struggling to be in films, on stage, on television. We all have this same struggle no matter where we live. And so that's just, I, 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 I actually, I, it's a prayer of mine that we can get back our sense of community that was stolen from us we were separated and we have a separatist mentality that has gone through generations. And I, I just wish it would stop. Um But I and had the privilege. I'll, I'll, go ahead. No, no, please. Go ahead. I, I had That's the privilege of seeing um, Cynthia Erivo Re- on the Broadway stage in Color Purple. And her voice, she has a voice of an angel. Her acting, her acting was excellent, gave me chills, cried and everything. So watching her career take off post her being on Broadway for The Color Purple has brought me a lot of joy. And I'm very happy that she's getting these roles. In films, um, I think I saw her in Widows. I cheered. I was so happy. And then when I heard she was getting Harriet, I was equally as happy. And I was like, dang, that's wonderful because nobody's just going to give it to her. She had to her, her agent, her manager, all of these people working for her and she probably had to audition just like everybody else because she is still up and coming in a sense um so i'm like that. she she fought for it she got it um so it is th- i am sad to hear about the controversy uh, surrounding um her sentiment on african americans or what she said on social media um that is saddening but It doesn't take from the fact that she's still a black woman and her parents are Nigerian, right? She's British Nigerian. I believe so. I I think she has the right to the history because it's her history too. So, that's my opinion. Yeah, I...
1: I would be very curious again to hear what she has to say now and where she stands on, you know, her relationship with African-Americans, how she perceives African-Americans. Um, I would hope that it's, um, different than what seems to have come out from, you know, several years ago, Uh several years receipts. um, However, I also think that part of this, you know, like I said, some of this is specific to her, but some of this is also, you know, part of a larger conversation of, you know, non-African Americans portraying African Americans in film. Um, and whether or not that's right or wrong, I think some of this would not be an issue if it didn't feel like there were so few Hearts for African Americans,
0: um, mm-hmm. and I
1: think that again, this is a call to action um, for all of us um, to really support and and to continue to create and to do more um, to to create more stories, to put out more stories, to support more stories about Black folks across the board. Because you know, it's a shame that this is the the first and so far only biopic of uh harriet tubman i mean how many times have they made a movie about batman how many times have they made a movie about superman they keep rebooting these movies all the time but you know it took to 2019 to finally make a movie about harriet tubman this is this is insane um so i think we need to to continue to fight and to you know continue to to Make our own stories and, 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 uh, create more opportunities for us to put out portrayals. So that is not, you know, just Cynthia Arrivo is Harriet Tubman. No, Cynthia Arrivo is one of the people, one of the many talented actresses who have played Harriet Tubman. There's many more. If you don't like her, mm-hmm. you can always watch another one. It's not going to be the end of the world. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I would love for there to be more opportunities, not just love. There has to be more opportunities for us so that we're not, you know, so, uh, we're not fighting against each other. This is, this is not okay.
0: Yep. Um, so let's get into the plot of yeah.
1: the movie. <laughs> we, we talked a lot <laughs> about, about the stuff surrounding the movie. Now let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. The movie opens up with Harriet Tubman on the ground after she, you know, passed out and had her vision and she's awoken by her husband. And it's this, you know, it's this interesting moment because, you know, if you didn't know anything about Harriet Tubman and, you know, admittedly, there's a lot that I don't know about Harriet Tubman. I don't think I realized that she was married. So that part was just really awesome to see. Like one of the first things that you see is her smiling and laughing and just being embraced by her husband. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're so used to just hearing about Harry Tubman, the, the abolitionist, the freedom fighter, the, you know, the superhero. And I really appreciated that that moment of humanizing her. She was a woman who was in love with this man and this man was in love with her under these, you know, just insane circumstances, but still they managed to, to find each other. Um, so I, I just appreciated that moment. Um, yep. And then I think they move on. Um, there's a church scene, you know, they have a church service and Bondi Curtis Hall's character as the reverend, he's leading the service. Um, and then you have the slave master and, and his family kind of like watching them have their little church service. And then after that's over, they approach so um Harry Tobin's father approaches the slave master um because I believe he's free, right? Her father is free, but her mother isn't. Yeah, or there's that, some type of agreement where at yeah. a certain age her mother was to be free because that was part of the contract when she turned 40 something. And she has now well past that age. So, right. you know, can we, we talk to a lawyer? We'd like to get our freedom, please. Let's go. And. yeah, <laughs> Of course. Unfortunately, it did not go according to plan. Um, of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but you know, I think if i I appreciated that part as well because it's a it, it's a great reminder to us, so many people again, you know, I'm sure there were people that were turned off at the jump about an idea of watching yet another slave movie. I've seen so many slave movies before I don't want to watch another one. I know everything there is to know. I don't think that there are people who who quite understand that, um even during slavery time, there were free black people. There were free black people yep. even in these yep. slave um states. And they were interacting with, you know, other other um enslaved people and they were creating families and you know there was all kinds of complications there. Um, including people who were free and and you know were caught and and sent back to slavery, just like in, in twelve years of slave. So it was good to to kind of have that. As well to remind us that there were different types of, of black people existing and trying to build a life under these horrific circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. So her mother had two daughters, I think that were sold off to another, another plantation. Yes. Yeah. So they yep. already had their family broken up. Um, mm-hmm. but they also have this, you know, this kind of history in their head or not, maybe not history, but you know, this knowledge in the back of their head or this desire, I should say, um, for freedom. Um, and yes. I have to say the entire time I was watching, I kept thinking about Kanye West, um, mm. you know, his comments a couple years ago criticizing um, black people who <sighs> were enslaved and you know that couldn't have been me and you would think that they would have that they would have fought back and blah 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 and really just demeaning and diminishing that experience as if as if it never occurred to them to resist um, right but there were black people down you know it, depicted in this movie and elsewhere that you know, of course they didn't want to be slaves. Of course they understood freedom. Of course they tried every way possible to get their freedom. You know, it's just, I'm glad that they, that they showed that these are black people yeah. who absolutely wanted their freedom. And they tried to, they, they asked kindly, they asked nicely and were spat at, you know? So yeah. So then mm-hmm. after this moment where their hopes are dashed and, um, you know, told to, to get away, you know, get out of my face. Absolutely not. You're not, you're not getting your freedom papers. Um, you see Harriet off, you know, by herself in this wooded area and she's praying and she's just like, you know, basically, you know, get rid of this man, remove this, this slave master, get him out of the way. And, This gentleman comes, this white man comes up to her and it was just, it was so frustrating, Cynthia. This Here you have this black woman praying, it's her and God, Mm -hmm. and this white man sees fit to interrupt her prayer Mm -hmm. and assault her, verbally and physically assault her. Yes. And then yes. you realize that they grew up together because this is the slave master's son.
2: Yes. So they're about Gideon. the same age Gideon.
1: and they kind of, Gideon, yes, kind of mm-hmm. grew up together and he was just, it didn't matter that they grew up together. He was so nasty, so disrespectful and just, you know, evil, evil.
0: <laughs> but God has the final say in this situation that's right yeah the next day the next day his daddy was dead her prayer was actually answered I think she and Gideon were shocked
1: yeah yeah her the look on her face at that funeral was just kind of like oh my gosh yes and like what did you do
0: yes so I, I wish, um, you know, film takes us, this film takes us into like fantasy-esque moments. And I know at the, at the beginning of this, I was like, I appreciated that they highlighted her epsilon- epilepsy, but they never named it as such. Right? They never, Named how she um we never saw how she started to have these um what they what they show us as being spells, as these like fantasy esque spells where she's having dreams and visions. And they don't really explain to us that. She had a, um, like, I think a two pound metal weight.
1: Well, no, they, they actually did. So when they showed it, when she, when she, no, they told it. So when she Mm. made her way to Philadelphia and she was, you know, telling her story to, um, Leslie Odom's character, um, that's when she talked about she had a scar on her head. This man threw this weight at her head. Right. Bust her head open. And then shortly thereafter, she was getting these, these visions. She had these spells. Right. And when he was writing it down, he wrote it down as possible brain injury. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like you said, there was no diagnosis necessarily and they just kind of called it spells. But, um, but yeah, he, he interpreted that as a form of brain injury that was affecting her. Um, and it, I remember remember, that if I remember correctly, it seemed like she, she felt like she always had this, you know, spiritual connection with God, but it just intensified Mm -hmm. even more after that incident.
0: Right. I'm just, I would, I think for the audience sake, like the statement that that statement, was made yes but we um are introduced to the spells first Uh and it's it just gives the film a mystical element when all actuality she was injured you know what i'm saying like we we don't know that this is a severe head injury until she gets to philadelphia we aren't aware of that. And I think that's an important component to her story. I think it's something that maybe we should have seen rather than it just be it's kind of like said. And then that was it. Yeah. But it was, I, I, yeah. I guess. Go ahead.
1: No, I guess I'm okay. I I get what you're saying. Um, I guess I was intrigued. Maybe that's the word. I was intrigued by the choice to kind of lead with this idea that Harriet, who actually, uh, we should probably point this out. Her name was Araminta Ross. Her nickname na- was Minty. That's her mm-hmm. actual name. I did not know that was her actual name. Mm-hmm. She took on the name Harriet Tubman. Her, her husband's last name is Tubman. So she took her husband's name. And her mother's actual name was uh Harriet. Um so when she got to freedom, she took on her free name, Harriet Tubman. Um, mm-hmm. but I I guess I kind of appreciated the choice of leading with this spiritual aspect that I guess it's a excuse me, it's a delicate balance, because you're right, it it could. And maybe at times did slip over into this fantastical kind of element. But I I don't know. I guess I just, I found it fascinating that they showed someone who, in their mind, whether, you know, whether that's real or not, whether you believe it or not. But in their mind, they felt like they had this special connection with God and God was leading her the entire time. God told her to yeah. go back and get people. God told her where to go. God told her to take a right and not a left, you know, and, and there was even a character in the movie that said you talk to God and it seemed like he talked back to you. So I need right. you know, to link up Yeah. With um, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I kind of appreciated that. Um, one of the criticisms and maybe I'm jumping ahead too far. One of the criticisms that I did see um, with people that, that didn't quite like the film, they felt like they made Harriet too much of a super human person. And yeah. although in a lot of ways, Harriet Tubman was a real life superhero. So, uh-huh. I mean, she going to have those superhero elements, but they felt like it was a little too much. So now when you've got her, you know, seemingly hearing from God and she's got these visions and stuff, it's like, oh, wow. Well, I could never do anything like her because I'm not getting no visions and I'm not literally right. hearing you know i could and never do remotely close to what she's doing but she's a human being she is a she's a flesh and blood human being and they felt like it was it they should have made more effort to make her human like instead of superhuman like
0: yes i have to agree with that um that's why i think it's important for us to know that it was an injury this incident happened because when you go to the film, film is very much a visual experience. So when you, you can't just gloss over things with a line because then it's just kind of dismissed. I, I wholeheartedly believe in visions. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. The Bible speaks of visions. I, be, I think I believe in that for sure. But I also think it's important for those of us who don't and for those of us who need the visual aid and the reminder in the story is that she was injured who she was before this injury I don't know we don't know but she was injured and that's what caused the brain damage this was brain damage um and as a result of the brain damage she had these visions. I think it's important to lay that out for the audience because then you have critiques like that. Like, oh, she's superhuman. She's it. Like, she's very much a human. She very much had strong beliefs in God. We can unite the two, but it also needs to be laid plain and simple for people. Um, that she was injured. We need to see that that happened in her life. And from the injury, this came. I think that's important is for the story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had these spells and we know that she was struck in the head as a girl and that gave her visions. And that's where through her visions, she kept seeing herself running to freedom.
1: Yes. And I believe after the slave master's death, the son, um, you know, I, I think he wanted to sell her. Um, yes, he wanted was, to sell her. Yeah. It, I think it might have happened at the same time. She probably had a vision and then he also was like, you're out of here. So she was just like, okay, yep. it's time to go. And originally she was going to go with her husband. Um, mm-hmm. but at some point she decided that it would be best if she went alone. Um, her yep. husband was free. Uh, and she felt like, you know, if they got caught, he would become enslaved and, you know, it would just be, uh, just terrible. So she wanted to, to go alone. Um, and uh-huh. she did. And, uh, and it was a harrowing experience to say the least. Um, she first went to the rev, well, she, you know, said her goodbyes. Um, said her goodbye to her, to her father. And he told her to go to the reverend first, talk to the reverend Mm -hmm. and then go. she went Mm -hmm. and I thought it was really, um, it, it was really interesting. I wrote down this quote, the reverend said, fear is your enemy. Trust in God. Yeah. And then he went on to give her instructions on, you know, where to go, who to talk to, how to, you know, how to get from a to B, uh, to freedom. And, uh, and she did that. And she ran and then at one point she was surrounded on this bridge um, by, you know, the slave catchers. And her only choice was to jump off of the bridge into yep. this river. And it just, I, I wasn't sure what she was going to do at first, but she finally decided to jump and yep. You would think that she wouldn't have made it, but you know, God, God made it. So she survived that jump. She survived being in the river and washed up on the shore, and mm-hmm. uh, and kept going. And somehow, she was not seen. Um, she ended up finding this person who had a, a a carriage, and she jumped in there. It was a white man that drove her to another meeting point. Uh, so then you realize, oh, maybe, I think this is the Underground Railroad. I think she might yes. be on the Underground
2: Railroad. Yes. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And then she eventually makes her way to ultimately Philadelphia. She started in, I want to say Maryland, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's also good to know. Folks think that when no slave, uh, plantations in Maryland, yes, there were. <laughs> <laughs> And mm-hmm. She makes her way to Philadelphia. She finally gets to freedom and she, uh, meets with, um, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, William Still. He's a free black man who it looks like he has his own printing press. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Or he's a writing company. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um uh, but he's mm-hmm. also an abolitionist. So, uh, when she gets to him, she tells his story and he makes it a point to write down every, um, every person's story that, that was able to escape from slavery, um, so that there's some type of record. And he also encourages them to take on a new free name. Uh, so that's why she ended up with the name Harriet Tubman. Again, after Harriet after her mother, Tubman is her husband's last name. Um, she, Or, uh, he introduces her to the character of Marie, who is played by Janelle Monet. And, uh, she's an abolitionist too, I suppose. I don't, I don't exactly know what her profession is, but she owns this house, um, for free black, or were they free or were they just former slaves? I guess everybody was free. Um, I
0: think, I think, yeah. Many who escaped would come to Philadelphia and then they would set them up in her house. So yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So she, you know, set her up. She got her clean dressed and you know, it was, fed. It was an interesting exchange yeah, fed it was an interesting exchange when she first got to the house, you know, Janelle Monet just, you know, regal had this big Flowy dress and you know hair done up and stuff. She was born free, and I don't think Harriet Tubman had ever seen a black woman look like that before. So she, in addition to just kind of the the trauma and the shock of going through her um, her journey, seeing this woman, and then there was this exchange. Janelle Monet was like, "Oh, you know, you need to take a bath because uh, you stink," and Harriet Tubman. <laughs> So glad even you know in the midst of, of everything she still had enough wherewithal to say "Well, wait a minute do you understand what is, you know what oh, fear smells like do you understand what right. it's like to go through what I just went through and you know to Marie's credit she did quickly say you know you're right I apologize I've never done mm-hmm. that I don't know what that's like and I never will well she didn't say and I never will but you know you understand she never will understand that experience. So you kind of need to yes. be respectful. Um, so I appreciated that. Uh, and yeah. And so we see the next scene. Um, they set her up with a job. Um, and she is it looks like she's a maid of some sort. And she's making yes. up a bed. She's, you know, kind of brow sweating and stuff. And she's, you know, working hard. And the person that she's working with, she's like, you know, We don't, we don't get paid by the bushel or or something like that. Like, I think she was trying to tell her, you can slow down. You don't have to work. Take her
0: time. Take your
1: time. You're free now. Um, and then you just see like a tear stream down her face. And I was just like, wow, that's profound for her to, you know, be in this position. She's never worked as a free woman before earning money for herself. Um, so that had to have been just a, an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, and so yeah, so she's in Philadelphia for several months. I think maybe a year passes, um, where she's, you know, getting on her own two feet and she, gets this, you know, strong sense to to go back. She wants to go back and and free her husband, not free her husband, but she wants to bring her husband to Philadelphia. Um and bring her family as well, cuz she's alone, she's by herself. Um and so against the advice of Marie and um and and William, she decides to go. William especially tells her, you know, it's not safe. You got lucky, you know, uh-huh. you saying that you have these visions and, you know, God's telling you to do what you got lucky. You're not going to be able to make it blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, I'm going to do it. I'm. This is what I will do. And when I come right. back, you will see. And and she did she it. Did. And, well, actually, yep. let me take that back. William said no. She asked Marie for help. Marie said, OK, Marie taught her how to interact with these white folks, you know, yes, to make sure, sure it doesn't tip anybody off and, you know, cause any alarms. Um, and she also gave her a gun, showed her how to shoot it. Um, and so she traveled back down south by train uh, because people, I guess they figured, you know, a black person is traveling down south, probably as in a fugitive. They probably are you know, free. So you need to act like you're free and nobody will ask questions. And she did. She made her way back down. And uh, first stop she made was to see her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this was a heartbreaking scene. So she she finds her husband, you know. Oh, before that, she had been trying to get messages back to her husband and back to her family that she was alive. Because they assumed once she jumped off of her off of the bridge and into the water, she was surely dead.
2: Mm-hmm. She'd been
1: sending messages. She thought that those messages were getting to them. Apparently, they weren't. And uh, so, once she met up with her husband, she said, "You know, I'm here. I'm alive. I want to take you with me. We can be together." And he broke the bad news and said, "Well, actually, I've remarried."
0: I I think the messages did get to them. The messages got to them. Cause I remember she asked um the guys and they 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 said that they had taken the messages and she said, Is there a response? And they were like, No. They got the messages, there just wasn't a response. I don't know. I gotta watch
1: it again because I Thing. I think, I want to say that they were they were saying Harriet Tubman is alive and not using her name. So I don't know if they realized who who they were talking about. There was something that was mixed up. Because every time when she saw them, they were like, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. So I don't know if they quite knew that she was alive. Or I don't know. Something was messed up. Also, mm. this was... When was this the 1800s? <laughs> and
0: I, yeah. I kept
1: thinking, man,, whew, I don't know how many of us would survive because we don't have cell phone, we don't have text, we don't have social media to get these messages, and you're really relying on the kindness of strangers to tell you know people, your family, that you are alive, and you're praying and hoping that they know and that they're waiting for you. Alright, so Harriet goes back to get John, so that uh John, her husband, so that she can bring him back up to Philadelphia and he breaks the news that he has remarried and he has a baby on the way. And mm-hmm. she's devastated. Mind you, this is a year after she left. So, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't wait that long. <laughs> nope. Not at all. just like, Oh my gosh! She risked her life twice once to get up there, once to come back down, and this man was just like, Ugh, uh, gotta go, and <sighs> to make matters worse, his new wife is free she She's a free woman mm-hmm. um, And so you know she was heartbroken, and she you know went and prayed to God and was just like, "You know God, why did you even spare my life? why did Why am I still alive?" I thought you told me to come down here and get him. Like, you know, why why am I being tortured like this? She loved this man and then she realized, you know, maybe I was sent here to get my family. Um, and so they made arrangements and she was able to round up her siblings, some of her siblings, um, as well as their family or, you know, spouses yep. and I think there were a couple extra people there too. So I, I want to say it was like nine people, including a baby. Yeah. Um, that she ended up taking with her on her journey back up and, uh, which was again, a very harrowing experience. And there was one part where they reached this river. So of course, you know, it's a group of people, it's noticeable. Slaves are missing. This is property. This is money that has now left and, uh, you know, since the, the slave master died, you know, things are kind of getting a little shaky on the plantation and they losing money. They got to figure out what to do. So you got these slaves missing. We got to go get them. So mm-hmm. there's a chase and they happen upon this body of water. And of course there's fear, you know, I don't know how deep this water is. Are we going to drown? What are we going to do? And Harriet is, you know, we're being led by this woman and she says she knows what she's doing. I guess I believe her, but also she's like stopping and praying and I don't know who she talking to. So it was some confusion there. And at one point her brother was just kind of like, I don't trust you. Basically, I don't trust you. You want us to go through this water. I'm going this way. Y'all can follow me. I know the way to freedom. And Harriet just, went in the water and she just, you know, she just kept walking and it was this kind of profound scene where you don't know if the water's going to go above her head or not. And there's this point where it kind of gets up to her neck and then she takes another step and it starts to go down. And you realize that was, you know, she she's her feet never left. She didn't, the water was not higher than her head. So everybody could walk across that water. Um, and they all made it to the other side and, you know, everything was great. And it was then on the other side, she said, I wrote this down. She said, I'm Harriet Tubman, leader of this group. We do what I say. And I said, <clears throat> you gosh, darn right. Yeah. She is in charge. And yeah. I think she even said, you know, that girl back there was minty you know, you call her Minty. My name is Harriet and I know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. I was your little sister then. I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm leading you to freedom. Yep. Um, so yes, yeah, so I thought that was dope. Um, they get up to Philadelphia and, uh, and so this is when she starts, you know, making her journeys. She's, um, and her name is getting out there. She's now becoming known as Moses. Leading yes. people to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um However. um Okay, let me see if I. Oh, yeah. So then at this time, this is when we see these two black slave catchers get into the picture. It's this is young man. And he, you know, says, oh, I've seen I've seen some folks or I I think either folks or else maybe he specifically was talking about Harry Tubman. I know where they went. And I know someone who can, who can catch them and they can go places you could never go. And, um, and then that's when we see Omar Dorsey's character. So he ends up being the big bad villain, black man, who is a slave catcher, which was news to me. I didn't realize that there were black people out here as slave catchers.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It was it's a way a to make money. Yeah. For them. Yep. At
1: the end of the day, way to make money. And, you know, I I appreciate, again, I, I don't think that I could ever discount these uh, movies about slavery, uh, particularly if they tell you something that you didn't hear before. So yeah, so she's making her trips and she, on one of these trips, she tries to free her sister, who is now working inside of the house of her former plantation. And her sister is afraid to go because I believe by this point, they had sold off her two daughters, two children, or they threatened to sell off her children. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't want to leave without her kids. Um, so she had to she had to leave her behind and and there was an interesting exchange there where her sister was her, I think her sister's name is Rachel. She said, you know, not everybody can leave. Not everyone is in a position to leave, so don't judge. You know, don't judge me, don't judge those people who can't do what you do. You are just For coming him. in here and you're just saying go. And uh which I appreciated.
0: This it, yes, is is a very important exchange um usually when you hear about Harriet Tubman um at least you know the history that I was taught that she didn't play about that like either you were going or you weren't if you started to go and you wanted to turn around she would shoot you and that's that that's the history that I got um growing up so to see this exchange between her and her sister like no, I'm not you. That's a very valid, um, exchange, a very real exchange because we have these conversations in our lives today. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed that exchange between her and her sister. Um, everybody's not meant to go on the path that you're going on and you have to accept that.
1: Um, again, meanwhile, she's building up this reputation. They're calling her Moses and, you know, and people are speculating, they don't know who she is. Um, uh, so, you know, they, they think that Moses is a white man, man in face.
0: Yes. Yeah. You
1: think it's a white man in blackface at which, you know, which serves <laughs> her well, because who would think that a black woman of all people would be the one leading slaves to freedom?
0: Never underestimate the black woman. Never.
1: <laughs> there you go. So in the meantime, um, there's this thing called the Fugitive Slave Act um, that is threatening to be passed and then eventually is passed. Um, and that says that um, that's an act that allows slave catchers to capture former slaves in any state used to be that you could leave a slave state and you were free theoretically I guess Um, you were free and uh, they could you know no one could could capture you again once you got to a free state you were fine well the Fugitive Slave Act made it so that even if you were in a free state you were not okay Um, and so (laughs) it caused a frenzy in in Philadelphia where there were a bunch of free um, former slaves they were you know the the word was get to canada if you can get yep. to canada now you're truly free
0: if you my how so. that still remains the same today yeah. everybody yeah. needs to get for me to canada <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> canada and these open borders yes hmm
1: yeah um so yeah, so now, you know, having to regroup in Canada, um, and, but she's still trying to make her, her journeys. So she's since joined this, uh, it's a, it's a group, a committee, um, that runs the Underground Railroad. I don't even think that I realized it was something formal like that. I thought the Underground Railroad was just this kind of semi informal, you know, network of people and places, but I never thought of a group of people actually getting inside of a room and we have regular meetings and we talk about strategies to continue to free the slaves and, you know, uh, fighting for abolition and things like that. It just never occurred to me that it was, um, that it was structured at that level.
0: Um, yeah. It started with abolitionists though. And abolitionists really organized themselves um to be able to establish an underground railroad so i understood that part of the story that was and actually when she was inducted i i cried that was like she had she had she was the only it seemed like the only black woman there yeah in a room full of men and then she had zero deaths, right? Because they wrote the number of slaves she had freed up on the board, and you would see other numbers, and they had had, you know, casualties, but she didn't have any. And I was just—it it sent chills through my body. It was, that was—that was a great scene.
1: Yeah. And then you also realize that there, you know, there's levels to that work. So there were people who were, you know, removed from from the slaves, so to speak. She was the one that was actually going down south and getting the right, right. Them up south. Um, so she was doing the hardest work um, and being a black woman at that. Um And having been a former slave herself, as many of the people that were Involved in that work either were born free, um, or, you know, had been many, many years removed, completely separated from, from that life. Um, so she was able to speak to an experience that they just had, you know, little connection to. They, they, they were connected to it in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciated that, that aspect being brought out as well. Um, so yeah, so now things are dire. You have the Fugitive Slave Act. Um so now she is attempting to do another um another journey. Is th- now I want to say this last one was when she got her parents. Yes. The previous time she wasn't able to get her parents. Um her mother by this point had, you know, experienced extreme loss. She lost her, we knew that she had, um, two daughters that were sold off earlier. She thought Harriet was dead or, or Minty. Um, she thought she was dead. Um, by this time, Harriet's sister Rachel died. Um, and then several other siblings had made their way up north. So, you know, she, it, extreme loss.
0: Um, yeah, and, I think she also was developing Alzheimer's.
1: Mm. Yeah, so that too and uh you know and they were aging so I'm sure they never thought that they would see her again and so just completely shocked um, that Harriet was able to come back and and get them and several other people from the plantation as well um, and they made their journey up and of course they were being chased. Uh, but they run across this, uh, mixed slave girl. She, she kind of joins them along the way, um, and begs to, you know, to, to escape to freedom with them. And, uh, it ends up being, they end up using that to their advantage. So they're, they're all piled into this carriage and they dressed her up to look like a man. She's very light skinned, um, and, so she, and you know, they tell her, you have to act like your slave master. Um, because by this time, there's a, like a mob of, of white folks that are trying to, um, figure out a strategy, figure out a way to not only get these slaves, but also we have to stop Harriet Tubman. Um, and then she, she happens upon them and she's able to successfully fool them into thinking, She's the grandson of this man because she looks like him. She looks like this slave master. And she was able to get them across that bridge. And, uh, and then they were able to successfully make it um, to freedom. Mm -hmm. I feel like I skipped over something.
0: Oh, I mean,
1: okay. So then they, they made it to a safe place and then they were able to continue on. Harriet diverted off. She broke off um, and was being chased by Omar Dorsey's character and then Gideon. And Omar Dorsey, he ultimately ended up getting shot by Gideon because Gideon mm-hmm. wanted to catch Harriet um, alive, wanted her alive. Omar Dorsey's character was going to kill her. And we already saw what he was capable of because previously he had killed Marie. He had punched her and, and stomped on her and, you know, it was, it was quite violent. Um, and so he got shot. And I remember reading a review that, that took issue with that. They felt like, you know, why is it that you're showing, this black man who's seemingly the worst villain on the screen. And then he's the one that's getting shot. So now it's a showdown between Gideon and Harriet Tubman. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: Harriet Tubman is, is able to successfully confront him. And, you know, she holds him at gunpoint. And this was the part that was a little surprising to me. I thought for sure she was going to kill him because, you know, of course there's no way that she's going to be able to get out of there alive if she doesn't kill this man. Um, But instead she just kind of, she gives her monologue and she's just like, you don't, you know, we're, I'm not yours to keep. We are, people are not uh things to be owned. And the whole time I was thinking, okay, Great, but when are you going to shoot this man? <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to do that? Cause She it, wanted him know. to
0: suffer. That's the easy way out. She wanted him to suffer as she had suffered.
1: I guess I, w- I was more afraid because I was just like, if you turn your back on this man, surely he's still going to try to, I don't care what kind of tears, I don't care, you know, what kind of suffering he may be experiencing. He's still going to try to kill you. So you got to eliminate He She man. shot him though, didn't she? She shot him in the hand, yeah.
0: Yeah, so uh, yeah. The
1: and then, okay, yeah. so then this is the other thing. She let him live and then she threw the gun down because she was able to get his gun from him. She took his gun, shot him in the hand. She held him at gunpoint, you know, told him to suffer, and then Threw the gun on the ground and she did take his his horse and ran off. But I was just like, "Girl, that's a gun. That's some ammunition. You could have
0: <laughs> <you could've> used, <laughs> used it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. But
1: anyway, the I guess the most important thing is that she was able to get to freedom. Everybody was able to get to freedom, and um, and uh, there was the epilogue of um. You know, she was able to ultimately free more than 70 slaves. And then she even returned as a spy for the Union Army during the Civil War. Um, where she led approximately 150 black soldiers um, to lead 750 slaves to freedom.
0: That visual Which, sticks with me. It sticks with me. That visual in the film... Of her on the water with all of the soldiers and she sings and all of the slaves come running out of the plantation to the water to freedom. It, uh, it, oh, it was great. Cassie Lemons did her thing with that. That was awesome.
1: That was, yeah, that was profound. One thing that I meant to mention, I, I apologize. Um, when she was making her final mission, her final journey, um, she came back and got her niece. She was able to get her sister's daughter, yeah. um, who she found inside of the house. Uh, by this time, the mistress of the house and her son, Gideon, they had been confronted by a mob of white people because they they blamed them. You know, this is your firm former slave, Harriet Tubman, that's out here, you know, stealing all of our property, basically. Uh, when she's, uh um, you know, helping to free these slaves, this is your fault. This is your problem. And so while they're trying to convince the white mob to, you know, spare them and they have a plan. And, you know, next time she comes down here, we know that we have her niece and we're going to, you know, that's when we're going to catch her meanwhile they don't realize she's there already she's getting her mm-hmm. niece and uh and she's managed to tie up these white men that are in the room as well as this little white girl um as well and i think so they they find her they find the niece with this white girl she's brushing her hair and and uh, that
0: should have been it like i the these extra added things that like, I don't know why, um, writers do this. Like, that extra-ness of the two guys coming in, alluding to the fact that they were gonna violate the girl. I just, mm-hmm. we didn't need that. Like, she could have just been brushing her hair, and in comes Harriet. Like, it, I, I just, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's that was- like a pet peeve of mine.
1: That was an interesting choice, but um you know I want your opinion on this, so I was curious to know what Harriet was going to do because you know you have this little white girl on the one hand, she's kind of the enemy because you know she got she got this black girl brushing her hair, but on the other hand, she's a minor, and right. you know she could have potentially been the victim of a sexual assault, so you know, if she leaves her there with these men, what does that mean? Um, and ultimately, she ended up tying all three of those people up. She tied the mm-hmm. little girl up too. Mm-hmm. so what do you you know what do you think about what that says? What does that mean? Does it mean anything I mean it doesn't
0: mean anything I like I just think about slavery. The kids you talked about this too, I think in the previous episode that women were just as involved as men. And they trained their children to be just as involved in, um, keeping the slaves in order, beating them, treating them as lesser than, manipulating them, brainwashing them. Like everybody in the white household participated in it. So this girl probably did her fair share of, um, tormenting of these slaves she she did it so tying her up probably didn't mean a damn thing she had to get her niece and get
1: out of it right (laughs) yeah so yeah so so to that end i appreciated that they didn't back off of that visual because i can imagine how that could be something where people are like "Mm, i don't know if you should tie the little girl (laughs) yeah you should right
0: yeah you should Mm mm-hmm because Gideon um, once was a child, Gideon right. and and Harriet grew up together. Harriet took care of Gideon, just like the niece is taking care of that girl. So, yes, she needs to be tied up with the rest of them.
1: Right, right. But to your point, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the point of having, what the purpose was of having those men there. But yeah, it was telling her to go
0: get the. The liquor or something I was just like why is this in here that's not necessary
1: yeah. yeah so yeah so that is Harriet let's run Harriet through the Dorsey flowers test oh boy okay <laughs> so as y'all know the Dorsey flowers test we're here to see um you know we're here to analyze the representation of black women in Film. So we're going to start with step one. Are there female human beings who identify as female, and are there black human beings? Sorry, let me let me start over. Are there black female human beings who identify as black female human beings, and are they portrayed by black female actors? I would say yes. 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 Okay, so that's step one. Uh, step two. Are there at least two named black female characters? Absolutely. Yes, there are. We have Harriet, we have her mother, we have her sister, we have, I think the niece had a name. Uh, Marie. There's yep. Black...
0: All of the, Thank the you. slaves that she, um freed had names which i appreciated it wasn't just slave one slave two like they had names
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um do the black women talk to each other yes
0: yes they do
1: um do they talk to each other about something other than a man or a non-black female character yes they do. Okay, is a black female character in the movie Primary? Absolutely. Yes. They even named that yes. in her. Yep. <laughs> he mm-hmm. Um. Does the black female character have the ability to make her own choices? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh. Does the black female character live until the end of the film? She sure does. She did. Mm-hmm. Does a black female character, uh, um, uh, not appear as a stereotype? So, I would say, yeah, Harriet Tubman was
0: no stereotype. Yeah, she broke world. she broke all the stereotypes that surrounded um, female slaves at that time. She broke the stereotypes. That's why she was such a threat. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. And finally, does the black female character have historical, political, or social relevance? Absolutely. Most
0: definitely. Yep.
1: Like all three. <laughs> mm-hmm. And bonus points. Was there a black woman director or a black woman writer?
0: Yes. yes. The black, black woman director. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cassie, Cassie Lemon wrote and directed. Yeah, um, it's film. So that's two extra points there. Wow. Okay. So when we add up this score, mm-hmm. we get eight points plus two bonus points for a total of ten. Ten oh. points Thanks. goes to Harriet. Yeah the most that you can ever get in the dorsey flowers test absolutely
0: congratulations cassie lemons for writing and directing such a powerful and meaningful film and reintroducing us to our history and the life of harriet tubman we are grateful for this body of work and we appreciate it
1: Wow! Oh, that's awesome. Okay, we we've we've uh, gotten our first perfect score.
0: I know it feels good. good
1: <laughs> what job. do we call it? What do we call it when you have ten points? Because eight points is pass. What's uh, beyond pass?
0: What? 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 Hmm. Uh, the ceiling breaker.
1: <laughs> Ceiling <Something>. breaker, <laughs> Ceiling breaker. Wow, yeah. this is yeah. It feels good. I'm really glad that it passed on a movie about Harriet Tubman.
0: Yes, me too. Good job. We want you to add your opinion to the conversation, so be sure to send us an email with your thoughts to youngblackandbrave at gmail.com again youngblackandbrave at gmail.com
1: and please follow us on social media at youngblackandbrave on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter
0: next week we will be reviewing drum roll please
1: Dolomite is my name. NAACP Best Picture and Best Independent Picture nominee. It has been recognized by the NAACPs just like Harriet was. Uh, Harriet was a Best Picture nominee as well.
0: If you haven't seen Dolomite is my name, go ahead and check it out this weekend so you can be a part of the conversation. Until next week, stay brave.
2: Peace.